Live with D Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to D Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. 80 years young, Michael Dorfman became plant-based in 2008. Author of The Thriving Vegan, Michael is here to answer your questions about what he has learned from his experiences and in-depth research on nutrition. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Michael Dorfman. Greetings and welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we're Look, so I was really looking forward to this, I'll tell you. Well, you have so much to, to say and so much knowledge to share, and we're really looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say. And I'm so pleased that you're here. And today, Michael's going to discuss how to achieve optimal health at 80 years young. But you can you don't have to wait until 80. You can start much earlier than that if, if you're ready to hear what he has to say. And please stay tuned to the end because Michael has a free offer to our audience members. So please stay tuned for that. So Michael, why don't you talk to us about your journey and how you have achieved optimal health? Okay, well, uh, it goes back a little while. Uh, actually, I was born in 1942 and uh, I was looking it up the other day and it was one month uh, after the uh, Japan actually attacked uh, Pearl Harbor and the United States declared war to go into World War II. Oh my so, goodness, uh, I can't yes. imagine your parents. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I never asked them about that whole experience. Right. I, I missed that opportunity. But uh, I, I just you can't know, imagine I, having, yeah. having something like that happen after and, and giving birth at that time. Wow. Yeah, I can. Well, my my father ended up, he didn't go to the war. He didn't have to because he had two children at that time. My older brother, Arthur, he lives in New York. He's 87 and uh, he's doing very, very well. He's been actually uh, playing bass for over 30 years. So... Uh, now that's, anyway, that's yeah. because some of us we, that have been on the plant-based journey, we want to have our family members involved too. So you're going to have to talk about that too and, and which came first or who came, who, who started. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I just want to tell a, a little bit about uh, my father was a butcher. So I grew up in a, uh, you know, in a home where we ate meat uh, at least once a day, dairy also eggs. And, uh, my brother was also became a butcher before he became a whole food, food plant based. I had two uncles that were butchers and a cousin that was a butcher. So the whole family, we had stores over all over Brooklyn. I think there were three or four stores. So that's basically what we ate, you know, and we followed the, uh, you know, what the, uh, the government had, you know, with the basic seven, which it was always uh, meat and dairy and eggs with a base. And then, yeah, you can eat, uh, you know, some vegetables and fruits, but this is the way it was. And that's the way, you know, we ate. We ate uh, what our, my, I ate what my mom put on the table. We never thought too much about uh, nutrition. Uh, that's the way, you know, people at that time, uh, you know, ate. So anyway, so this went on and I really didn't uh, become interested until 1976 
which was uh, I became uh, I became interested in uh, Eastern philosophy and religion. And uh, on that side of the world, uh, many people were vegetarians. So I became a vegetarian and uh, gave up meat. Uh, so this is just for philosophical. Yeah, this was a, it wasn't really for uh, that much for help at that now time. Now, was your brother your brother at the time he was he was eating that way as well? My brother, well, he's talking about over 30 years. No, he was already a vegan, but I really wasn't uh, interested that much in it because I was interested in the religious part or the right. philosophical part. So that's why I became uh, vegetarian. Okay. And my wife became vegetarian. My wife, Bailey, became vegetarian at that time. And our children became also uh, vegetarians. So your wife so, was not. Yeah. And, and so you decided you wanted to be vegetarian and were you able... Then, then she decided to do this with you. How did that? How did you navigate that? That's exactly what happened. I be, I was the first one to become interested, and then uh, she decided that she was going to do it. I think I don't remember how long it took her to, you know, to do that. And how old but, were your children at the time? Well, uh, my younger boy, uh, well, my older boy uh, Renato was born in 1971, so he was only five years old. And uh, Adam, well, Adam was born in 1976, so that was pretty much at the time he was born. So you you became vegetarian, and then shortly after that, your wife, and then of course, since she became vegetarian, so how how did you decide about the kids? Because there's so sometimes so much pressure about feeding children. Well, we didn't have much of a child. I think you have a lot of pressure when the children get older. They become closer to teenagers, and then they'll eat exactly what the parents are not are not what the parents are not eating. <laughs> and my son is having that problem now. My son Renato <laughs> he has a fight because he's vegan and his wife is vegan, uh -huh. and the kids just want to eat everything else that's not vegan. It's like the, that's what happens. I guess what I meant though, Michael, was that yeah. sometimes you get outside pressures from family members or even maybe physicians when you when when people choose to change their young children's diets during their time of growth and development so that's what i was curious if that was anything that you came across no it wasn't at that time uh we didn't have that problem and so they, the children ate what, what we put on the table. Right, right. Just like, just like I ate what my mother put on the table. Yeah, you didn't question it. <laughs> you just yeah. ate it. <laughs> I think eventually uh, things changed and uh, children, uh, they, uh, you know, they rebel a little bit because their friends are not eating that. How could you eat that? Whatever the, you know, the uh, story is. Right. So, but they ate pretty much, uh, you know, what uh, we put on the table. Okay. And then, uh, so this went along, you know, this is 1976, and I felt pretty good, uh, except I would get uh, sick once or twice a year with flu-like symptoms. I would get a cold, a sore throat, a cough, congestion, and I accepted this. Uh, it was part of my life. I would get sick once or twice a year. And my brother, who had been already on a vegan diet, he told, he suggested that, well, maybe the reason I'm getting sick is because I'm still eating dairy. That's a possibility. And I, I didn't want to give up dairy because I couldn't. I was just so, uh, you know, attached to cheese. So it, it was, forget about that. I just didn't want to do that. 
So I didn't want to give up dairy for a while. And then uh, an interesting thing happened with my younger son, uh, because Adam, he had been uh, also eating dairy. And he would be, every time he, he would, but he would drink a lot of milk. He would drink a lot of milk, chocolate milk, several glasses a day. And whenever he would get sick, also with similar symptoms, he would go into convulsions. He would go up, it would go, his, his fever would go through the roof. And uh, we didn't know what it was, but every time he got sick, he started crying because he knew where it was going. So we didn't know what to do. And then uh, I don't remember how, how long, you know, how many uh, years had passed or months had passed, but we had a naturopath doctor who, uh, she was an iridologist and she would look at your eyes and she would discover what you had. Mm. Uh, so he, she immediately, we didn't know, we, had no, we didn't have any idea it had anything to bury, but she said she was looking in his eyes and she, he's being uh, overwhelmed or toxic on dairy, and that's what his problem was. And he gave up the dairy, gave up the milk, and never had the problem again. Oh, my word. In fact, Adam, the younger boy, he has never eaten meat or fish at any time in his life since he was born. And he became an extreme sports uh, 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 sportster. So uh, he climbed mountains. No, he was an incredible, he's been in incredible shape. So yeah, I, I just thought of that story because I didn't think of that story before. That wasn't my plan for the, this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so here I was it, talking about the, the, the children's health and growth and development. And meanwhile, you had a story about that. So that was very interesting. And I'm, yeah, I just can, I know that as a child, I, you know, I grew up eating meat and milk and all that. And I, quite often I would have uh, upset stomach, you know, painful, painful tummy aches. And I just didn't, I didn't know what it was. And I just thought that that's just what you dealt with, you know, that people went through that and they had all kinds of chalky liquid medicines and things and so I yeah, and so many and so many people are allergic to milk. I they, I really think they, it was you know, that they don't have the enzyme to uh, you know to digest the milk, the lactose, and uh, they have problems with stomach and uh, you know gut problems, and they don't even know what it is. Exactly. They, they think oh they go to a doctor, the doctor gives them a pill, whatever it is, but it's really lactose intolerant that hits so many people. And, you know, I think in, in, in uh, India, it's like 90% of the people are lactose intolerant. In Asia, another, and in Mexico, it's about 50% are lactose intolerant. So the same thing happened to my wife. She, every time she would have milk and dairy, she would have stomach problems. And then I finally got into this uh, plant-based, you know, how whole food plant-based nutrition. And I started reading about this. And this is, uh, this is what, you know, what had, what was happening to so to so many people yeah it's and so, like, so many yeah, and people I, affected yeah. by this and they don't even know that's the, that's what's sad yeah so but anyway i to continue a little bit with my my story i went along and uh eventually my brother said you got to read this book and it was the china study by t colin campbell so uh i read the book and i was just completely amazed that I, I read all of T. Colin Campbell's books. I love it. 
his book on Hole, and uh, it, it's been such a voyage, you know, a journey with him. So I read the book, and uh, it changed, and I decided to make the change. So that was 14 years ago, and uh, I, you know, I haven't turned back uh, since. And that, for me, that change was, you know, for my own health. But something important happened that uh, uh, sort of directed my, my journey towards helping other people. And that was uh, a friend of my wife and I, uh, uh, Beatrice, she, was, she lived in uh, Cozumel, the island of Cozumel. Because I don't know your, uh, you know, your audience doesn't know. I've been, international living, in Mex yeah. so. I've been living in Mexico for uh, more than 40, 45 years. A lot years of people know about Cozumel, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot but, of so, ship destination. <laughs> so she, she had a heart attack and they, uh, they, uh, she went to Merida to get uh, surgery. And uh, she survived the surgery, even though on the table, she had a heart attack while they were doing the surgery. But it, it, it was successful. She went back home, and a year later, she started complaining of, uh, uh, of pains in her arm, her right arm. And they called her back into the hospital again, and they wanted to put in a stent because she had bypass surgery. So they couldn't put the stent uh, to replace the uh, once again blocked uh, vein that she, she, was, she had. And they told her they couldn't do anything for her. And they sent her home and they told her that, you know, not to do any, uh, you know, exercise or exertion, not to climb stairs, even though her, her bedroom was on the second floor. So that, that's what they told her. What they didn't tell her, and they told my wife and they told her son that she had about six months to live. So I... I was, uh, you know, I heard about this and had already, this was, you know, more than 10 years ago, and I had already been on uh, whole food plant-based nutrition, and I had read the book by Esselstyn, which is How to Prevent Reverse Heart Disease, and I heard the situation with, with Beatrice, and I decided that, you know, I got to talk to her about this, because even though she doesn't know she has six months to live, she knows that, you know, there is a possibility that things could be turned around because I was reading that there were doctors, you know, including Esselstyn, that were turning things around with people who are having serious heart disease. Yes. So I spoke to her about it and I, I gave her the book, uh, Esselstyn's book, How to Pre uh, Prevent and Reverse uh, Heart Disease. And she read it and she made the decision to, uh, to become plant-based. And instead of living the six months, she lived almost nine years. So for oh. me, yeah, and when she did pass away a couple of years ago, it was it was for another reason. But for me, just that, it was like, this happened to a friend of mine. It wasn't just I read about it in a book. Yeah. This actually happened. And I started thinking, how is it possible that doctors, this is not the go-to, you know, cure or the what they you know the people protocol. should, doctors should yeah. the protocol that doctors should be offering at least as an option to yeah. people who are having heart problems right. instead like, of having to say you have to have right. you know uh, open heart surgery and then stents put in every year or two you know etc and uh and then i just to me that really woke me up and then i started thinking well this is true for heart disease what other diseases are they not telling us about that whole food plant-based and 
and healthy lifestyle practices can really help us. And that's where I got into, you know, my whole story of I created my Facebook page and my website and I wrote the book, which is uh, The Thriving Vegan. And uh, he created a Facebook group here where I live in, in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. We have a Facebook group here. Uh, it's called The Vegan Wave. And we have all, I think yesterday the count was 441 members. And we have uh, monthly uh, potlucks and meetings. So that got me started with that. And uh, I started working on my, my new ebook. And I'm writing to do my second book now. I'm in the middle of doing that. So I really want to help people, and that's why I started to do these podcasts, because, hey, what a better way, you know, to uh, inform and educate, educate people. And, you know, this is an incredible way to go. This is, you know, whole food, plant-based is just incredible. And uh, you can eat, there's so many, offer, you know, different types of recipes, different recipes being offered now. My wife, Daly, is an incredible uh, whole food, plant-based cook, oil-free for 14 years. We're doing this journey together, and we have an, a beautiful garden that I'm looking at right now out of my window where we have so many uh, uh, organic foods, and it's just a wonderful life. I really enjoy it, and what's been the result? This is health. You know, at 80 years old, I'm just feeling, you know, just really wonderful, you know, just enjoying it and just trying to tell people, you know, you have, it's, you know, your, your web, your podcast is on 50 over after 50 and mine is after 80. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can exactly. come together on that. Right. We're, we're people who have, have reached your, your point in life. They're thinking about, you know, what, what can they do to just to, to stand up and maybe walk across the room without pain and, and, and how, that they're, they feel that they don't really have anything to look forward to because of the different medications that they're on and the side effects and, and all the, every time they go to a doctor, it's the same, you know, dismal news. And here you are, you, you authored, well, you authored one book and then now you authored another book, you know, so you're, and then you're on podcasts, you're vibrant and, and it's quite obvious that you're in good health. And this is something that we can look forward to. And, and uh, if we can just take care of ourselves and it is possible to be vibrant after 50 and, mm -hmm. and, and beyond. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced that I'd like to start my own podcast. And I have a great name for it. Oh, yeah. And it's called Welcome to the Wisdom Years. Oh, that's very and, nice. And I see because I've been checking out different podcasts, but I don't see many podcasts for you know people who are older than fifty. Uh -huh. There's some that, you know over fifty. And Welcome to the Wisdom Years is going to be about the you know it's true as you get older, you know some of our physical abilities you know they go down, and uh, that's part of what happens as you get older. But we have something else. You know, when you get older, the problem is in, in, in the Western society, you know, once you get older, it's like everybody wants to look young. We do everything to look young. Everything, we go through any, all kinds of interventions and whatever because we want to look young. But it's like, you know, it's a lost cause. <laughs> because, but if you really look at it, that you can be healthy inside and be vibrant outside. And not only that, 
the way, you know, people have been through many years, you know, here I am in my 80s, uh, we've accumulated a lot of wisdom. We've accumulated a lot of uh, understandings through the years we've been alive, and that's what we have, and that's what we can tap in. You know, maybe you need to think of, well, what can I do? Well, maybe, you know, I used to be a writer. I was, I wrote when I was in my 20s, and then I did write for many decades, and all of a sudden, I'm writing now, and, uh, you know, is it something that you like to do? What did you like to do when you were young? Did you like music? Did you like to play an instrument? Did you like to take care of people? Did you like to paint? Did you like to draw? There's, there's so many things that we have inside. Tap in inside. It's there. It never went away. And I think that but, but what's very important to really enjoy the later years, you got to be healthy. Because you can start worrying about your chronic diseases and, you know, the latest thing is like 70% of the American population has, you know, over 70 years of age has one chronic disease. You don't want to worry about that. You want to just feel healthy and, and be vibrant enough so you can really enjoy the later years. I don't, I don't know how long I'm going to live. You know, I'm not even worried how long I, I have to live. I just want to be as healthy as I can to enjoy my life while I, you know, while I, I am alive. That's just wonderful. So you, so you discovered this lifestyle, you read the book, The China Study, and I told people in the comments that we have uh, links to those books in case they're interested. And so, and, and a lot of the times when people have adopted this lifestyle and getting the family on board, sometimes that can be a challenge. And then navigating the kitchen, okay? That can be a challenge too. So, how did you, you and your wife, navigate the kitchen? Well, the interesting thing is in Mexico, uh, women love to cook. <laughs> Not so much lately because the younger generations are, you know, now that there's so many things you can get in the store, but most women uh, just were taught to cook. And Mexico is, is well known for having wonderful cuisine. And so I think that's what, that's what helped us. And uh, my wife just loves to cook, we, so we never had a problem with the kitchen. But uh, I think there is so much, there's so many recipes out there. It's, there's so many chefs, you know, vegan chefs are now online, like uh, AJ, AJ, the chef. There's yep. so many... There's so many books, and most of the books now that I've been reading, you know, whether it's by the doctor, you know, it was by Esselstein or uh, Campbell or McDougall or, uh, you know, Bernard Barnard, they all have their recipes at the end of the book. Yes. And there's so They're many books. Of, science and the research, but also. Yeah, you, you have to do, that's the, the effort you need to make now. Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, there, there's so much more you can do with plant-based foods than you can do with animal products. There's no comparison because the foods themselves, plant-based foods, have their own tastes. You don't even have to do any much with any of it, you know, with the vegetables and the fruits. Yes, they have to cook the beans and, and you know, and different, uh, well, the uh, chickpeas or whatever, the peas, because you don't eat them raw. But in most cases, that's all what you have to do. But there's so much you can do because you, there's, there's so many recipes and so many different options. But yes, you need to make the effort to do that. 
unless you have a wife who can cook like mine. <laughs> yes, that that is wonderful. So now you said that your wife is originally from Mexico. Is that right? She's originally from Mexico. She was born near uh, Guadalajara. Uh, she's raised mostly though in Mexico City, and we uh, we met here in Mexico City because I I had gone to two years of postgraduate school in uh, school psychology, and I was about to start my profession when I decided to go for the summer. I was take a trip. I came down to Mexico in a motorcycle. I came down to Mexico, and I met my wife in Mexico, and I never went back. So I never continued my uh, my career there. And then we had two children, both my uh, my uh, older boy, Renato, he's 51 now. He's a, a great, uh, what do you call it, sculptor in Mexico. He's, he's doing a lot of work. And then I have my other younger boy, uh, Adam, he's 46, he's up near Sacramento. And, uh, but my wife and I, we're just uh, living here and enjoying uh, living in, in San Miguel de Allende. So now the reason why I asked about your wife being Mexican, because I think that a lot of the times we have certain foods that we kind of are used to having either from our country of origin or our culture. They're just certain foods that we're used to having. And if we change lifestyles, sometimes it may mean that we have to change things around a little bit. So do you think, was there anything that your wife had to do to, to change change things around as far as her cooking? Not very much. Uh, what's interesting is that she immediately became oil-free. And that was amazing because people think Mexicans cook with a lot of oil. Yeah. Most of them do. But it's amazing that you don't need the oil at all. You know, you can just, she just sauteed, whether it's... Uh, you know, mostly with water. Most of the uh, she does it with mushrooms or or uh, onions, and they all have their own oil to some extent. But what I eat, what I when I eat what she cooks, it tastes like there's oil in there. It's right. so yeah, it's amazing. And people have they don't understand that this is the way it is. You do not eat need oil to cook. Yeah, that's correct. That was that was something that when when my husband and I adopted the lifestyle, we had to figure out and. You know, back in 2012, it wasn't as much information as there is now. And and you're right, the, the plants and the nuts and the seeds, they all have oil in it, but they also have a lot of water, too. And they release it with the heat. And so if something is sticking in the frying pan, you just put a tablespoon of some kind of liquid, whether it's water or vegetable broth or mm -hmm. citrus juice or something. And then it kind of, and you scrub around a little bit with your spatula and it deglazes and and the flavor that you get, you know, it's just, I think without the oil, because the oil kind of like coats the food and it coats your tongue and yeah. you just don't get that, that, that taste sensation that you do when it's not present. And it's not very, not very healthy. And also is much less, to, you know, problem to clean, you know, you don't yeah. use oil. You don't have to, oh. it's so simple. Most of the time I'm just cleaning with water. Exactly. You're so right. And the stove yeah. top and the vent hood and all these things that normally would get full of grease and, and, and the yeah. oven, you know, it's just, oh, I love, <laughs> that's, that is an, an added benefit. It sure I, is. The oil is not healthy for you. It also has over 120 calories a tablespoon. And most people, 
whether they realize it or not, probably have at least three or four tablespoons of oil that come in their processed foods or they come in, in the foods that they're preparing. So can you imagine all those extra calories that did what when you could have had something really delicious in, instead that was worth all those calories? But yes, yeah, it's very unhealthy too. Yeah, and another thing about, you know, the oil, you know, according to uh, Caldwell Esselstyn, the doctor, is the oil destroys the uh, the uh, endothelium uh, uh, cells of our arteries where the nitric oxide is. And nitri nitric oxide is an in incredibly important, you know, for our arteries because it coats our the arteries and it allows for the flexibility of the arteries, you know, when they need to expand, contract, it's able to do that. And it also uh, coats the artery with like, it's like a Teflon coating in the artery that allows the, the plaque not to, you know, things not to stick. So when you're using oil, which destroys that, uh, the endothelium cells, it's, uh, it could possibly lead to uh, hardening to, uh, of the arteries, which is, leads to heart disease. Right, and those arteries are all throughout our body. Can people think if they just get a stent that you know, everything's okay, but there's all the, I mean, if one part of the artery is affected, they're all, it's all affected. And and you just, it's, it's just so much easier if you just take care of what's causing it, right? Instead of trying to patchwork things. Yeah, because yeah. once you get your stents, you're gonna get keep getting stents. Because yeah. if you're not removing the cause, which was your diet from the beginning, it's the same thing that happened with our friend uh, Beatrice. That you, you know, she would have to get stents because they keep clogging up. Because you got to stop the clogging. Yes, absolutely. So, did we, did you have any weight loss, or or were you on medications, or what health benefits would you say that you experienced, especially since you gave up dairy too? Yeah, well, when I uh, when I was on uh, a meat diet, meat and dairy and eggs diet, I was and I until I was about twenty five, I uh, I was I weighed a lot. I actually I played high school football. I was a tackle. I'm not a, I'm not very tall. I was a tackle in high school. I, I had four scholarships, football scholarships, to universities, and I took one, which was the University of Bridgeport. But once I got there, I saw how big these guys were, so I quit the team. But Smart. I worried a lot. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing that. I don't know what I would be doing. <laughs> so I was weighed. So I weighed then. I weighed like 190 pounds. So I, I went down. Now I weigh my, my, I like my weight at 135, 136, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, I'm thin. And I just, I, but it's, it, What's incredible, when I went on a whole food plant-based diet, you saw I started losing gradually. So I went down to 180, 170, and I started going down. And now I feel that I'm the way I should be because it stays pretty much where I am. Uh, I may go up a pound or down a pound, but I feel really good at this, uh, this weight. And I, and I just don't want to gain weight. And, and I just feel that... It's the plant-based plant -based, uh, nutrition, to me, is the best for long-term. If you want to lose weight, because what do people do? They skip, they jump around from diet to diet. Yes. If you go into Wikipedia, there's over 100 diets uh, listed there. 
and the people go to they they just hop around but doesn't work because they're not sustainable whole food plant-based is sustainable once you get into it and you enjoy it and you get used to it and it's not difficult to get used to it you just have to give it uh, a few weeks it's interesting i was i was uh, listening to a, a, a speech by eric adams the new mayor of new york yes so he was talking about so he was vegan and I he was suffering a lot he's very 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 nice person oh i didn't know that yeah yes. so anyways he was giving so i was watching the speech he was giving and he was talking about the uh synapse changing your synapse connections and uh what it is, it's already a matter of practice and changing habits, because once you change your habit uh, in anything, where you you ride a bike, you you know play an instrument, you know you have to give it time. You know it takes time before your muscles start adjusting, and then your brain—it's the synapse connections in your brains that say, "Okay, we're changing over. This is new, but we're gonna we're going for it." So your brain adjusts to it. And all of a sudden, it's like uh, you have a new habit, which is whole food plant-based. And then there's another thing which really helps, and that is your taste buds. Because, you know, we're, there's so much addiction because of the sugar and the salt and the oil that we get used to. That's why so many people, they're addicted to, uh, you know, uh, McDonald's or Burger King. You're addicted because these foods become addictive. And uh, but if you do just do you do exper an experiment and you say, OK, I'm going to give up salt for three with two, three weeks. And then all of a sudden you start eating salt again. And it's so salty because you have the new your taste buds are, are new. So that's what we have to do. So you have those two things are in favor of changing the synapse connections and our taste buds are all on our side. If we give it right. a few weeks. Yeah gave up salt you know back in 2012 and it was a little difficult in the beginning because we were so used to the highly palatable food and we live near the ocean so we get to go swimming in the ocean quite often and every once in a while my husband i'll be in the ocean with my husband and he'll come over and give me a kiss and then i'll say mm, salt <laughs> it's, 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 like whoa salt <laughs> where ordinarily we wouldn't have even noticed because as salty as the ocean was, <laughs> as salty as our food was <laughs> and we didn't even really notice so yeah yeah our, our taste buds absolutely do neuro adapt and, and just have to give it time you're right so i mean people a lot of now especially it seems that i mean they have the atkins and the paleo so those diets seem to be so popular and so what would you say why would you say that somebody should do the paleo or 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 some kind of similar diet to that versus the plant-based what do you want to talk about the differences yeah, well, uh, I think you know the, the most popular diet now it seems is the uh, is the uh, what do you call it? the one you just uh, the keto the keto diet yeah. right the keto diet is the most popular now and I think one of the reasons is that you know you're allowed to keep on eating meat and you know that's what uh, one of the, uh, the I guess the advantages for people who are ch want, are changing their diet and the other thing is you can lose weight that, you know, they find that you go on a keto diet, you lose weight, and you can also, it seems to have some sort of an effect uh, with uh, type 2 diabetes. Yeah. But uh, it, it does help with that. 
And the keto diet started out in the 19, uh, I think it was the 1920s and 30s for uh, epileptic attacks. Yes. They found out that having a high fat diet was helping with the epileptic uh, uh, attacks. And, and I, you know, that's what the, the positive side of it. But from, from what I, the problem with all the diets uh, is that there are no long-term studies because they haven't existed that long. You know, plant-based uh, nutrition goes back, you know, if you go back all the way to our, the apes, we're talking about a couple of million, million years, you know, these new diets, they either go from the Atkins, South Beach diet, the, uh, to, uh, you know, the, the newer diet, the paleo diet, and the keto diet. Uh, my son is trying his keto diet because uh, he wants to go on, uh, what is it called, uh, what is it, uh, the fasting now they have, the... Uh, uh, Intermittent fasting or the... Yeah, the, well, he just... He, could, he just uh, eats a certain amount of time during the day. Yeah, and intermittent fasting, right. Intermittent so fasting. On a keto diet, but, would be but, eating high-calorie, dense meats, which... Yeah, would, exactly. Yeah. The problem I, that I have, there's a couple of problems. One is uh, a lot of people are not finding the keto diet sustainable. Yes. Because, you know, our body has been so used, you know, to, uh, you know, to eating, you know, the way it's been eating on... Uh, and with plant-based foods that we that we need, that uh, not, they can't maintain a, a keto diet uh, because uh, you're not getting enough uh, of basic foods that you need, the nutrition that you need. So after a while, you go, you know, you go back to you need the carbohydrates, and in order to maintain a keto diet, which I understand, you have to have so few carbohydrates yeah. to make it go into, you know, where the fats take yeah. Yeah, ketosis. I think you need to have 40 uh, grams of carbohydrates as a maximum. And it's very, very difficult. It's it's more difficult going on a keto diet than it is on a plant-based diet to maintain it for a long, for a long time, right. you know. And now studies are also showing that there is muscle loss uh, on weightlifters and they're losing their muscle. So I really think that people really, you know, should think about this twice about the keto diet, and uh, you know, because it's it's very hard to sustain. And the other thing, which I find maybe the basis, the most important thing, is that you're not getting your fiber. You're not get. You need to get fiber, and that's one of the questions I think we were going to put up. Yeah. As why, why don't we, we? Why don't we? We just got to talking, and then we didn't yeah. need. Um, do, let's just do our it's time for true or false on be green with amy live answer true or false to amy's questions in the comments below and amy will ask our guest for the expert answer yeah so here's our true or false green warriors true or false plant protein is the favorite food of the gut microbiome so just type in true or false don't worry we're not getting graded on it and Michael, <laughs> Michael's going to give us his input on that. What do you say, Michael? Well, you know, it's always been the favorite question that people have from vegans is that, where do you get your protein from? So my answer has always been, well, I get the same protein from the same place that the gorillas or elephants or uh, water buffaloes or even cows get their protein from, and they get it from plants. 
and uh, and then you know we know all these there were so many athletes now that are are getting their you know protein from plants now plant-based uh, elite athletes so that's been always the question but for me it's you know learning more and more about our microbiome which is found in our gut we more and more we're hearing stories about the importance of the microbiome it's now even being considered the, the, the new organ of our body and there are more studies on the microbiome over these past five years than any other uh, plant-based study that's being done. I think it's about 10,000 studies a year. And that's because of the, the ability of the microscope to get into the uh, microbes. So that's why we're learning more and more about the microbiome, that we're made, made up of microbes. We have more microbes in us. We're talking about bacteria, virus, uh, uh, what not the fungi and the protozoa and yeast? It, we're we're swimming in that, and uh, we are. Yeah, we're just the host. We're the host <laughs> of all that, and most of the microbiome. <laughs> we're their planet. They're living on us. Exactly, and most of the microbiome is living in our gut, and it's our microbiome. It's like Hippocrates said twenty five hundred years ago that uh, the diseases, most diseases, are started in our gut and he knew about that and that's what we're finding more and more how important it is to, to maintain gut health and what is the what is a we don't eat our fiber is not digested by our enzymes we don't have the enzymes to digest our fiber but our gut does the bacteria in our gut they are the ones that digest our fiber and turn it you know into uh, short chain fatty acids that help our health and our strengthen our immune system. So that's what our gut wants. The bacteria they want this fiber that they that's what they love. It's their favorite food. So the favorite food of the gut microbiome is the fiber. And my question is to to people who are eating plant uh, eating uh, meat products: uh, Are you getting enough fiber? And the fact is, we're not. Is that people on the standard American diet, which is based on you know meat and dairy? Uh, is they're getting a, a small fraction of the fiber they need to be healthy. And what's the result? Well, look at the diseases we get. Look at the chronic diseases. The United States, you know, with the standard American diet is among the, uh, you know, the uh, sickest countries in, among the developed countries in the world. You know, you look at any uh, healthiest countries list, we're not even in the top 30, you know, and we have the best you know, technology, best trained doctors, we have all these drugs, we have, we have all these interventions, you know, and it's like, what do we have to show for it? I think it's time we have to start taking the responsibility ourselves and, you know, choosing our path because we're not being helped, you know, we just continue every year. I think this is the last couple of years, the life expectancy has, has gone down around three years. You know, we're, we're living the sh uh, shorter life uh, spans than our children. What's going on here? You know, so I think we should really think about it. And we, but we got to do research because uh, uh, we're not being. We got to do our own. Uh, we have to re-educate ourselves. Right. And to me, it's. Uh, I find that you know, for me and the people I know, plant-based is uh, a great way to go. Yeah, and there are studies about plant-based because they have the there's a religious group, the Seventh Day Adventists, 
and they what they do is they eat mostly plant-based and they have a long two long-term studies where they had them report about medical issues and some of them incorporate meat and some of them don't some of them incorporate eggs some of them don't and along the spectrum the ones that had the the most plant food and the least animal products reported the best health outcomes in these long-term studies so i encourage people if you're on the fence about this to look into the seventh day adventist studies yeah and the seventh day event is they're one of the uh the blue zones yes and you know it's true you know that uh, some of the blue zone uh populations they eat, you know, a little bit of meat, a little bit of fish, but it's not what we eat, you know, it's, they have a little piece of fish, you know, once a week or so, but it's they're, it's, of all of them are, ba they're all based, plant-based. Yeah, and the meat, it's, animal products are more of a condiment and a flavoring than a, a main mm -hmm. portion of, of the meal for other things to be surrounding. So yeah, you're right about that. So what, what is, uh, I think we have a, let me see if we, yeah, we do. We have a question for you. Hang on a second. Let me pull that one up. We have, okay, yes, we have, oh, Patty Shu. Do I have to worry about too many oxalates switching to a plant-based diet? I think, hi, Patty. I think she was on at another broadcast too. Do you, um, you want to talk what about- What are we talking about, oxalates? Oxalates, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I know exactly what, uh, okay, we'll, we'll just save her question for someone else. Oh, here's a good one. Jake said, I really like cheese and eat it, especially when I'm stressed. How can I stop? What can I eat instead? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I eat. You're uh, a recovering we, cheeseaholic, right? <laughs> yeah. We eat, uh, uh, cheese we're made out of nuts. Uh, there's a lot of that available. Uh, my wife makes uh, a cheese out of macadamia nuts. Uh, we eat also tofu, which uh, uh, I enjoy, so uh, we use that. Uh, also make uh, cheese out of uh, cashews. I'm also a distributor of cashews and macadamias, so we use a lot of that. But there's a lot of nut, uh, it, it's all part of the recipes. It's a lot of uh, 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 cheese are made out of, out of nuts. Yes. So if you want to find out about that, uh, I want, I'm just thinking of, uh, I have some, I have some great cheese recipes on my okay. uh website and it's all free. And some of them involve cashews. Some of them don't. And there's, I mean, I have one that's for like a nacho cheese. Oh boy. It is, it is. It's like, should I just Outstanding. as a soup if you want to, <laughs> yeah. or you can, you can thin it out, make it into a soup or you can, yeah. and you can eat all you want and not feel yeah. bad about it. So, yeah. I can recommend a book. Uh, I think it's by uh, Neil Barnard. I don't know if it's called The Cheese Trap. Yeah. yeah. He did write a book yeah. and I have that on my uh, yeah, website too. The Cheese Trap. Yeah, if you want to read a book, if you want to give up cheese, the cheese trap. He gets uh -huh. into the whole book. He gets into it and how it's made, and yeah, it's an excellent book if you want to get some background information. Why you know not only give up cheese because of the uh, difficulty with che uh, the taste, but also give up cheese because it's 
it's one of the most, maybe the most processed food on the planet. And, uh, and if you want to give it up for your health, because cheese isn't easy to give up, but it's, you know, it's not very healthy if you want to live to a long old age, like I do. Right. And I tell you, once I gave up the, these uh, products, especially the animal products, especially the cheese, though, I used to get sinus infections, chronic sinus infections. And like I told you, I used to have tummy upsets. And I started this in 2012. And I have not since then had not had one sinus infection and and not any, you know, tummy upset. So I, I really feel that it was definitely due to the cheese. Yes, absolutely. And okay, so we have another question. Let's see. And that is from, they go through kind of fast sometimes, so I have to find them again. Okay, yeah. Joe wants to know, what's your favorite Mexican dish? Uh, my favorite Mexican dish is, uh, I think, beans. <laughs> Be I, I think about it, I'd love to have always have beans around uh, because uh, they're so, so healthy. And, uh, and rice, beans and rice. Uh, I like enchiladas made with tortillas. Uh, I like... Uh, What's the other one? Uh, Enfijoladas, it's called. It's uh, tortillas with some sort of a filling. Uh, it could be with uh, tofu or vegetables. And it's with uh, smothered with uh, bean sauce. I really like that. And then it's covered with uh, a, uh, a cashew cream. And some chili, always with chili. I mean, without chili, uh, it's not Mexican. Well, it is, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that kind of brings me to some people say that, oh, I don't, I think that if I adopt a plant-based lifestyle, it would be expensive. And obviously, with beans and rice, <laughs> that, that, that's that's one of the least expensive uh, foods that you can buy. So, And you can get filled up very well on beans and rice alone. Absolutely. And there's so many places, there's so many uh, videos and and different websites. There's so many great videos that were have been made, documentaries on plant-based foods. And uh, you know, people. Uh, I have my website, which uh, is going to be going uh, revamped now. It's going up with people. You know, you're going to be giving that information yeah, on my website be very shortly. If people want more information because you know, I, I have so many odds and posts I've been doing over the years that there's, there's so much information to be found. But yeah. It's all out there if we just do the research. And, and, and that's what we kind of have in common where we found good health from this lifestyle. We found vitality. And we both really want to share this with the rest of the world because everybody has a right to know about it. You don't have to do it. But it's not fair if, if nobody tells you. So I, I, I think of it like the warning on the cigarette box, you know. It's, it should be there, and you can read it. If you still continue to want to smoke, that's that's your personal preference. But somebody needs to tell you at least. Yeah. But you know what happened? You know, now that we can go back and because when I in the fifties, you know, that was my time. Yes. Uh, everybody smoked, including the doctor. I mean, 
<laughs> including the doctors. You, you advertised by the doctors. It was unbelievable. It was even good for your breath or good for your teeth. Dentists were saying it was good for your teeth. Yeah. And then you had the the, uh, the, the Hollywood stars and the, the athletes were also promoting, you know, smoking. And then what happened was what when the Surgeon General came out with, you know, the cancer, you know, the link between cancer and cigarette smoking, smoking that that was in the late 60s. But from the 50s to the uh, early, it was like 20 years. And they had already had thousands of, of studies were done linking uh, cancer and smoking, but we never heard about it because of the power of the cigarette companies. So it wasn't until then the uh, Surgeon General came out and eventually the doctors that supported smoking were not supporting smoking anymore. So for me, we need to, we, it would be so incredible if we can get the doctors to change a little bit about they're not supporting nutrition. Give me a break. It's time, you know, especially where people are starting to realize that changing is possible and, and it brings about good health. But it would be great that we have, uh, you know, wouldn't it be great if the Surgeon General puts an, uh, you know, says, you know, an ad was showing McDonald's, you know, be careful or, you know, warning against, you know, just eating, you know, some of the, the you know, unhealthy. So, you know, I think that it would be great. I think the big change will happen if the doctors get on board and if they get nutrition taught in their university where the medical schools, they start learning about the importance of plant-based foods. And once that happens, I think that uh, things will start to change, but it's not happening yet. So I think it's time we need to take our responsibility for our own health. That's what I, that's what I feel about it. Yes, exactly. I agree. I agree with you. And it's a shame that the doctors do not get any nutritional education. They learn about pills and procedures and they learn about, you know, going through diagnostics and things, but they, they really can't. I remember my husband had an elective surgery and uh, the, the surgeon had, well, he asked us how, why, we, you know, what we did to stay looking so healthy and vibrant so we we talked to him about our lifestyle and so then at that point he knew you know how we ate and so when he was giving recommendations for the surgery he told my husband now make sure after the surgery you get a lot of, you get protein you know so i and i i knew that he didn't really he just thought that that's what had me done i don't think he really learned anything about it so i said well how much and he said, mm -hmm. uh, lots, <laughs> you know, so it was obvious that he, he wasn't talking because he yeah. learned something in medical school. It was just something that he had thought that he knew about maybe from mm -hmm. the internet or whatever. So yes, it is important that they, that they know. Cause I mean, what you eat makes you, I mean, there you go. Right. It's, it forms, forms all the, the cells in your body and it feeds those, that uh, microbiome. And that's, it's kind of, kind of like the soil, you know, whatever you put in the soil makes the soil. You put leaves in it and it breaks down and makes soil and the bugs and, and all the different things make yeah. different nutrients in the soil. And that's, and we're just, our, our intestine is, if you looked at it, it's like a, a, a big root of a plant turned inside out. Or you can look at the intestine like being a garden yes. where it's cultivated and and like you were saying about you know the soil, 
what we do, we're destroying the soil with the, you know, not taking care of it or the glyphosates and, you know, all of the herbicides that are destroying. That's what we're doing to our gut. You know, we're, you know, with the antibiotics and all the drugs that we're consuming and, uh, you know, the stress that we're going under and the, the bad foods that we're eating. We're not cultivating our garden the way we want it with beautiful food. We're cultivating, you know, uh, the plants that we don't want there, you know. So uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, that's what we, that's what's on the study now. And I think this microbiome, what's happening is going to change everything. I believe this is what's going on. People are going to become more aware of it all starts down in the gut. Oh, Sky loves wanting to know what do you think about eating the eating bugs craze? Well, I'm not crazy yeah, about that craze. No, no, I don't. Well, what what I think is, and I've heard about this, is that insects, bugs that that people are eating, there. Well, first of all, there's not any regulation on it, but also they a lot of them have parasites, and when you're going and eating a bug, you could be ingesting parasites into your body so i would recommend against it <laughs> yeah but i think that's part of the new craze with yeah. uh what's going to happen if we don't have the soil we can't eat that you know other things we're going to end up eating bugs and uh, you know yeah yeah. I, yeah it's not for me no it's not for me either. especially when you're 80 i'm not into bugs anymore <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. I think you talked about this a little, but maybe you could just kind of give us, because Angie wants to know, what do you eat a day? So in a typical day, what would you Okay. Okay, I'll tell you. Uh, in the morning, I usually eat, uh, most mornings I'll eat uh, uh, oats, oats which, with fruit and uh, with berries, different fruits, uh, different types of fruits, you know, changing it around. And uh, I'll have... Uh, uh, toast. I'll have a piece of uh, uh, toast that you know, a good toast, and maybe a little bit of peanut butter if I want. Uh, I'll have also a drink. I'll make uh, most mornings. I'll have a drink of with green. Tea. I'll make it's like a, a, a shake. I have. It, I make it with. Uh, uh, let me see if I can remember almond milk, which I make my own almond milk. I'll have almond milk, I'll put in uh, cacao and green tea and a good slice of banana and uh, uh, cinnamon and I'll make a shake out of it and that's what I'll have with my uh, oatmeal and a piece of toast. And then for lunch, it, that'll change. I always make the salad. My wife cooks the, the main meal, but I always make the salad. Uh, and she'll make, uh, she has what does wonders with vegetables, you know, with lots of kinds of vegetables that are, with which we use a lot of mushrooms and tofu and uh, all kinds of vegetables. She'll make a stew out of it. And then uh, sometimes she makes uh, a cake, you know, we'll have a dessert, but all oil free. And if we use sugar, it's going to be uh, date sugar. Uh, keep away as much as I can from uh, any kind of sugar, maybe molasses type sugar once in a while. And for dinner, we'll have um, a lot of times leftovers, or else we'll have uh, potato and sweet potato, which I, I'll cook. 
Shaisley cooked the the sal. I'll cook the breakfast for us. Although some mornings she has a smoothie, I'll cook the breakfast for us, and then I'll cook the the salad. I'll make the salad, and at night I'll do the whatever's left over, or I'll make. Uh, we have a, uh, a air crisp, so I'll make some sometimes potatoes in that, and uh, and sometimes uh, yeah, and that'll be it. So uh, and I never really I, I never really get into calories. I never really get into how much. I don't get into numbers very much. It's sort right, of what that the Tim Colin Campbell sort of suggested. Forget about that. Just right. eat healthy and eat what you're supposed to eat, and you're going to start losing weight because you're going to be eating nutrition dense foods instead of calorie dense foods and missing the nutrition's nutrition. So I think that's what you want. And once you get used to it, once you start enjoying it, it's like you won't go back to anything else. Uh, yeah, some people do, but. Uh, I think most people don't once they start experiencing what good health is all about. Yeah, that's what I love about this lifestyle that you don't have to weigh and measure. And because of, you know, like the animal products, they're calorie dense. So you can't have as big of a portion of those things because of the, all the calories were, were with this. They're, the foods are so low in calories that you could just keep eating and eating until you're comfortably full and not feel bad yeah. about it and not worry that you're going to gain weight because just like you my weight has has maintained all this time and i'm not you know every once in a while i get on the scale just because i want to see you know what what's happening more because yeah. I've, I've been doing a lot of exercising and i want to see if i'm gaining weight from muscle <laughs> yeah, i eat a lot i eat a lot it is like i have to make sure i eat a lot or else i don't want to start more i don't want to lose more weight right. and now right. i started i started playing pickleball which is uh i'm, I'm loving it because i always like like competition sports but i i wasn't able to play it so now i have to watch and make sure i eat more so uh but it's great i mean if the people eat uh, want to eat it a lot a lot it's a great thing to do the plant-based because there's so much water in the plants and the vegetables, and it's, you know, et cetera, that that's what you get uh, filled with, so you gotta eat again. It's, it's great. Well, I am so pleased that you uh, were willing to come on with us today. You had so much, so many inspiring pearls of wisdom for us, and to, to be motivating like this, because you, you can have two different outcomes as you age. And that's what we were talking about, being vibrant over 50. And it, and a lot of it is in your control. I mean, we can't control everything. Still things can happen to us that, you know, no matter how careful we are, but a lot of it is really in our control and you are just so inspirational. So can you please tell us about what you do and, and uh, tell yeah. us about that offer that we told everybody to stay tuned? Okay. Can I just give a little uh, word of wisdom? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah, I, I uh, this is a, uh, I wrote this in my book. I'm not going to read it from my book, but uh, it's sort of the idea that I talk about the greatest gift. What is the greatest gift? And the greatest gift is the great gift of life, because there's no other greater gift than that. Because without the the gift of life, there would be nothing else for us. So once you accept that the that uh, the life is our greatest gift, and we didn't even ask for it, it just that's why it's a gift. Uh, then you can ask, well, what is the, another gift that maybe we ignore? And the other gift is the gift of our body. 
Why is it uh, such an important gift? Because our body is where the life lives. It resides in our body. Without our body, where would life live? It didn't have a, wouldn't have a place to live. So to me, and that's what's really, you know, philosophically or however you want to look at it, uh, just uh, seeing the body as being so precious because it's where our life lives. And it's like, well, if my body is really precious to me because that's where my life lives, shouldn't I be doing my best to take care of it? And that's what I'm. That's the way I see it. I try to remember that as much as I can. This is my body, and I want to take care of it so I can really enjoy my life. So I just wanted to, you know, mention that. And uh, as far as what I'm doing, uh, well, I'm writing my second book now. Uh, I hope to finish by the uh, beginning of the year. And uh, I'm keeping up my. Well, I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing two podcasts uh, every month as a guest. Uh, trying to get it out to as many people as I can. And uh, I'm getting my website revamped. Uh, I, I wanted to mention also, I think like uh, you, Amy, I went to uh, Colin Campbell's uh, plant-based nutrition uh, eCornell course. So I was, I'm certified in plant-based nutrition. And I take other courses on the bi microbiome. So my website, and uh, I really uh, hope that people uh, subscribe to my ebook. Uh, and uh, I gave you the, uh, because my website is being revamped now, there's a link where you can get my ebook. And also I send out every Thursday at nine o'clock in the morning, I send out a news, I call it a health letter, not a newsletter. So I, you know, the latest things that I've come up with and I've studied just to keep uh, people abreast of what's going on. So, uh. Yeah, that's what You're I'm gonna doing. have a link to to the the free ebook for everybody in the show notes. But the, and 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 although your website is being revamped, it's not the name of it is not the website not is not going to change. So it'll that'll also be in the show notes too. And you know, and and that's that's what it's about. You you find this lifestyle, you find the health benefits, and the weight loss is just a fun side effect. That's but, it. Right? Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be the main thing. It's the side effect. There's more better things than just weight loss that's waiting for you. Oh, yeah. I want to also put this up in the book. Oh, yes. Please let me get a, a solo of you so we can see. That's your that's your book there, The Thriving Vegan. And we have links to that in the show notes. And you can find that. Sure. Thank you for sharing that with us. And also, like I said, we also have the the links to for everybody to get the free ebook from you. Well, I, I definitely want to thank you so much again for, for joining us and for imparting all your wisdom. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I also, I wanted to thank uh, you, the green warriors that are watching because for you being on, on with us and you're asking all the questions and you're also chatting with each other because we're building quite a community here. And I love when I see you guys just saying hi to each other and asking each other questions because that is just so great. And I also wanted to thank Just Test Voice because she did the promos and she did the announcements. But before I tell you about that, please tell us, type in the comments, what was what are you going to remember? What was your takeaway from today's uh, presentation? And Just Test Voice, she did a lot of work for us to help us with these promos. Can you tell us who is coming up next?
Prior to going whole food plant-based, Stephanie Williams suffered from extreme anxiety and, at times, depression. Hear how Stephanie decreased her medications by half and is working to eliminate them on Wednesday, October 26th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy Live. And as a special thank you to all of you that have been watching, and I wanted to let you know that I have five free recipes that you guys, if you're thinking about starting this plant-based lifestyle, if you just go to begreenwithamy.com slash join, I'm going to send you five free recipes, but not all at once. So this way you'll just get a couple every day and, and then you can see if you want to join us in this plant-based journey because there's so much benefit to it. And I really hope that some of you will think about doing that and those that you have that you may be interested in these recipes as well. But I do really want to thank you guys. So if you guys can go ahead and take your right hand and grab your left shoulder, and take your left hand and grab your right shoulder and squeeze, that's a hug from me. <laughs> and as I end this broadcast, if you could join us, because we're going to be doing my tagline, which is be strong, be well, and be green. And if you could join us in doing that, and we're going to sign off and Thank all of you again for being with us today. Are you ready to do my tagline, Michael? Right. Okay. Well, until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, strong. be well, well, and be, be green. <laughs> Bye, Michael. Bye, Green Warriors. Bye. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green 